Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 545. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 880 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, returning for 2022, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S. grown, fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. More thanks goes to Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches, a popular peony bouquet by mail program, and their Spread the Hope campaign, where customers purchase 10 tulip stems for essential workers and others in their community. Learn more at redtwigfarms.com. First of all, I hope you had a happy Valentine's Day. Today, we're in for a real treat. So many of our members, flower farmers and floral designers alike, are devoted to changing the dialogue around flower sourcing. During what was one of the biggest holidays, floral holidays of the year, it was not unusual to read media reports about flower shortages or negatives around flowers in general. The chocolate and jewelry folks wouldn't have it any other way. Just discourage people to buy flowers and spend money elsewhere, right? Well, there is another message, and you'll hear it today. It's good news, and you already know it. Local flowers come to the rescue for Valentine's Day with a new approach to help Cupid get flowers to gals and pals. One of our members did something really incredible, and I can't wait to introduce you to Jacqueline Rutigliano of Hometown Flower Company. Based on Long Island, Hometown Flower Company partnered with the Empire State Building to present Local is Beautiful, a Valentine's Day floral installation and pop-up celebrating New York-grown and New Jersey-grown flowers. From last Thursday, February 10th through Monday, February 14th, visitors to the Empire State Building's 86th-floor observatory deck were greeted with an eye-catching floral installation designed 100% foam-free and exclusively with fresh flowers sourced directly from New Jersey and New York growers. We joined Jacqueline last week while she was putting the finishing details on her pop-up to record a visit and learn more about how this promotion came together. By way of quick background, Jacqueline and her husband and partner, Mark Ervolino, founded Hometown Flower Company in 2019 as a Long Island-based sustainable floral design studio and pop-up flower truck. A third-generation floral designer, Jacqueline is a past guest of the Slow Flowers podcast, and she and Mark are featured in our new book, Where We Bloom, which came out in 2021. You can find links to those details for today's episode 545 show notes at slowflowerspodcast.com. Let's jump in and meet Jacqueline coming to us from the top of the famed Empire State Building.
Hi, everybody. Well, it's the week of Valentine's Day, and uh, we talk about flowers and Valentine's Day as sort of like the epic holiday of the year. But we have a member who's doing something over-the-top epic at an iconic venue celebrating local flowers. So I'm going to turn right to our guest. She's coming to us from the top of the Empire State Building. Hi, Jacqueline. Hi, Deborah. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it is. This is so exciting what you're doing. Um, I know you might have to put your mask back on, but while you're on the camera, quickly introduce yourself and tell people where you are. Sure. So my name is Jacqueline Ritigliano. I am one of the co-founders of Hometown Flower Co. And I'm coming to you live from the Empire State Building. Oh, my gosh. Like that is nothing symbolizes New York City and the Big Apple than this building and um you're up up on the top right yep we're on the 86th floor of the observatory sadly it's raining out today so there's zero view but um i'm looking at a pretty great view which is all locally grown flowers that's awesome and i know about that with the seattle space needle half the time you go to the top and you only see fog so uh it's okay yep. because when you i'm sure you're going to have beautiful weather over valentine's day weekend um yeah. you've You've been on the podcast in the past, so I'll link to that uh, past episode so people can meet you uh, and hear a little bit more about your story, but I know we're short on time. So uh, give us a snapshot of how this all came together. You're based on Long Island, but you serve the greater New York area with local flowers, right? Yes, absolutely. So we are based in Huntington, Long Island. We exclusively work with locally grown flowers. When we are in season, so from about you know late April to November, um, we are 100% Long Island grown, weather wow. permitting, unless something goes wrong. Um, and then in the shoulder season and off season, like we are right now, we source from greenhouses in greater New York and New Jersey. So thankfully, we've been able to find those sources and keep our commitment to 100% local going year round now. Well, the name Hometown Flower Company says it all. Um, you, when I first, well, we've known each other for a long time, but when you first started your flower business, you had a mobile uh, truck, and you still have it, this vintage pickup truck. Yep. Um, and now you're branching out. So tell us how yeah. this, how did this all come together, this uh, Valentine's Day at, at the top of the Empire State Building? Yeah. I mean, so to be completely honest, it's still um, a mystery to me exactly, but they reached out, they found us. Um, one of the folks on the marketing team is from Long Island and she had heard of our business and they are um, not going to have a private wedding for the first time in like 38 years, I think it is, 30-something years. And they instead wanted to have a flower vendor up there. So she reached out. She had seen our flowers in a bag style. And um, I don't know how familiar she was with our commitment to local sourcing, but um, you know, my husband, who's also my partner, said, are you sure you want to do anything during Valentine's Day week? That sounds crazy. And I said, if we can put local flowers at the top of the Empire State Building, there's nothing that says I love New York like that. So we're doing oh. it here just for the mission. I love it. And you are your marketing has been so fabulous. I, I just I I saw one of your press releases that started out, or maybe it's on your website, like things are looking up all the way up to the 86th floor. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It's hard to shake that since that's my background, you know. <laughs> And I, I kind of think in marketing talk. <laughs> well, that's why you knew this was a perfect fit and you had to say yes, even though it was a, a monumental feat to figure out how to source in February and how to put, do a pop-up. Um, so this is happening uh, over the Valentine's Day weekend, right? 
Yes, so we officially opened to the public on Thursday. Um, we're doing a little press preview and um, a little social media preview today. We're actually going to be doing a workshop with them um, to design our flowers in a bag arrangement just to get them really touching and connecting to local flowers because there's some really beautiful varieties right now. I just picked up the most amazing sweet peas ever. Oh um, and then and then we opened to the public um, from Thursday to Monday, Valentine's Day. Okay. Wow. So over the whole romantic weekend where couples, uh, maybe no one's getting married at the top of the Empire State Building, but I bet you there will be engagements happening. Uh, I, I assume so. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And we've got a good range of things. We've got some dried stuff. We've got some bouquets and then arrangements for folks to take home. So just trying to keep it open for everyone. Well, have you built your, uh, I know you did a, a, a photograph that you've shared with media, but is it ready to go this week? Can you yeah. give us a sneak peek? I can. This is now the second time that we've done this before we're open. <laughs> so all the designers, I'm sure, can appreciate that. Kind of like staging it for photography and then now doing it for the real thing. Yes, exactly. So oh can you see it okay? Let me stand yeah, back yeah. So it's, it's like a flower cart, right? Exactly. So they had a cart and they've been inviting different um, vendors to come up and pop up. Rather than just kind of selling flowers out of the cart, we decided to put flowers on it and to make this whole foam-free installation. I can say that there's 100% zero floral foam used That's here. Awesome. That's awesome. And the cart is, you didn't have to supply the cart. So that was kind of a, yeah. a nice thing for you to just start with a base. And Yes, I was, I initially thought that they were going to ask us to bring our truck, which would have been a impossible task actually, um, come to think of it, but no, they, so they had this cart, um, it's their 90th year. So it's like a 90th celebration cart. Um, it's sort of hidden right now, but you can see the 90th anniversary logo on there. And we just came on and just sort of took it over with flowers. Wow. That's amazing. So you used it as kind of an installation to just make it pretty. And then are people going to be able to, um, just take selfies in front of it and that sort of thing, but then also shop from it? Yes, absolutely. So the goal is to make it something beautiful, but with a deeper, deeper message. And if, if I can get close enough, let's see, you'll see these little factoids that are supplied in collaboration with Slow Flowers. Thank you very much. And oh, they're yeah. Actually yeah. I, all, we talked about you wanted, to, you wanted to have messages for people to learn a little bit more while they're shopping. Yes, absolutely. I mean, for us, we want this to to carry with them. So there's even a call to action that says, you know, home is where the flowers grow. Let's see if you can see that. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love that. Well, um, you, you you're letting people know that it's possible mm -hmm. to get uh, flowers that are local instead of imported, especially at Valentine's Day, um, yeah. that you're using sustainable design practices and that um, when people buy local flowers, they're helping local businesses. And that's sort of a nice long-term message for a hometown flower company. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't ring more true than that. Every single sale and even every single follow um, really just carries weight for us. So mm -hmm. thank mm -hmm. you for saying that. So tell us about your product mix. You said you have bud vases, dried flowers, and then some um, pre-made uh, bouquets. Is that right? Right. Yes. So, so we have two different sizes for bouquets um, designed to be held, handheld. 
Um, we've got a mini and then we've got a small and then we offer a flowers in a bag upgrade if they want a vase and then take it home in our signature flowers in a bag packaging. And then we have um, a bud vase of dried flowers and then a dried flower bouquet as well. Wow. Wow. And what is the range of price points? Sure. Yeah. So um, let me refresh my own memory. Um, <laughs> our dried bud vase starts at 38 and then our bouquet, our larger bouquet is 75. Okay. Wow. So it's, that's pretty affordable for, uh, you know, especially during Valentine's week where you see a lot of things inflated. So you yeah, probably... thank you for acknowledging that. <laughs> yes. It, it was really hard for our team to try to find something at a family friendly, you know, tourist um, price point. And um, we, we just hope we don't lose on this installation. We really hope that, that the value here is for the awareness and the goodwill and getting the message out there for the movement. And, and like I said, hopefully we don't lose money on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because your background is in public relations and marketing, you, you sort of seeing this as a, a broader, uh, tool to accomplish some of your branding goals as well as hopefully sell flowers, right? That's probably the primary reason actually why we're mm -hmm. doing this is, mm -hmm. is for that value. Um, so talk about your sourcing, because when you first launched your business, which was about three or four years ago, I think, uh, you had a, you, we had a lot of exchanges about your just frustration of finding product, especially in the winter. But I believe that one of your goals was to personally meet every farmer that you bought from. So that that's why you started Close to Home on Long Island, right? Yes, absolutely. So we still direct um, directly source from our farmers. We, we know all of them by name. We text every single one of them, our orders, um, you know, love-hate relationship. I'm sure we nag them all the time. But yeah, I mean, it's important because there's a trust element there. And for us, this is our business. So, you know, when there are flower shortages, like there are right now, we just had to close our Valentine's Day orders early, actually, which, you know, definitely hurts our business. Um, but we're not going to divert from our mission. So if we mm -hmm. don't feel 100% confident that our farmers can fulfill it. And, you know, hopefully we've got some sunny days coming up that we'll get a nice uh, surge of products. But yes, we, we know all of them. We have a relationship with all of them. It's taken a lot of work. It really has to find all of them. There's, um, it's harder in New York for some reason. You know, on the, on the West Coast, you guys have some amazing collectives and just, mm -hmm. I don't know, it just feels like it's in abundance. But here in New York, you know, we've got the flower district here. So it's definitely tough to go farm direct here. But we, we try because the relationships are really important to us. Well, at least being on Long Island, you're a little bit closer to some pockets of agriculture or small scale farms that, that you could personally go visit and develop a relationship with, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we're out at, we're at the farms three times a week. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so now in winter, you said you're buying from greenhouse growers in New Jersey and um, in other parts of New York. Uh, what what are you able to get at this time of year? Ooh, so I just picked up some amazing sweet peas and poppies. Um, oh. I think I got the very last stems of dahlias um, from the season, which is kind of unbelievable. I can't even believe that I winter, was able to touch. Winter greenhouse dahlias? Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. Wow. It's yeah, so that was a savior for the holidays. Um, and I was joking around with our growers of, you know, what do you think for Valentine's Day? And um, they surprised me with some of those. So that's really cool. Uh, we've got anemones. We've got gorgeous ranunculus. 
We have access to calla lilies. Um, let's see what else. Oh, and the most amazing tulips. The most wow. amazing, amazing tulips. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the one thing you don't have is a rose. And you that doesn't matter because you're showing people all the other seasonal options there are. I mean, roses aren't seasonal in February. Correct. Um, hardly anywhere, <laughs> maybe, maybe in California and maybe if it's a hydroponic greenhouse rose, but, um, that sense of hometown pride is really coming across when you can, you and your team can tell, um, the shoppers, Hey, I know the grower there in, in the greenhouse in New Jersey. These are fresh. I got them this week. You know, they, they get a, it, it's just making them aware that of, I guess the benefits that they just took for granted before. I think people just see flowers and they assume they're local, like at the grocery store. Or they just, you know, there's just a disconnect. And to be completely mm -hmm. honest, I was disconnected even being a third generation florist growing up. I just, you didn't think about it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be a business owner in the, the time that we're in where people are paying attention to supply chains and, um, you know, I'm sure you saw the New York Times article about the flower shortage, although we're sitting here ringing our bell saying, what's, sh you know, there are flowers here. <laughs> yeah, that, that right kind place. of, that was written through one lens and, I, <laughs> and that yes. was unfortunate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Well, um, what, uh, tell everybody about your background in terms of growing up in a family flower shop. And we covered this in the podcast before, but just to bring people new to you to, uh, to the story. Sure. Yeah. So just the bridge version. Um, my grandparents founded a florist in Queens um, in the 40, 1946. Um, just, you know, your retail florist. I sort of picture my grandpa slinging pom-poms on the corner. You know, that was his signature <laughs> flower. And then my dad really grew up in the flower shop um, and took it over with my mom. They opened up a second location on Long Island and really started focusing on weddings and events through their whole generation um, became kind of the demise of the retail part of the industry. FTD, 1-800-Flowers, supermarket flowers, this all just made people start to not value the local florist. So they completely pivoted. Um, they stopped doing retail entirely, only focused on special events. So for me, growing up around that, I, I guess I, I felt a little um, distanced from it and also all I saw were the wedding clientele and, um, the big ballrooms and the big, the big venues. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And beautiful, beautiful work. Um, but I just, you know, didn't ever care to want to have fresh flowers at home. It, it's, it's so funny for anyone who knows me, they're like the fact that you're designing flowers and just in my blood, it just kind of came out. It actually came out as a form of stress relief for myself. Um, my background is in PR and marketing, which is a, unnecessarily stressful industry, but it is nevertheless, it's very digitally connected. And um, I started hacking away my garden and needed to create something that expressed myself um, and discovered, I, I think I had the design gene. Jury's still out. We'll see. I, I would say so. Well, uh, it's interesting because when you and I first met, you were in PR and marketing and you were working for, with a client who I guess we could say was in the slow fashion industry. And yep. somehow you wanted to do flowers for an event. I, you just reached out. And I think because we were called Slow Flowers, you thought, well, this will be, would be an interesting fit. And that's, I think, to me, shows that you had this idea about sustainability and integrating that into your brand or your mission, even before you formed your own flower business. 
Oh, 100%. So I was just kind of having fun and curious. Um, But I really wasn't into flowers at all until I started to draw parallels because I became kind of a supply chain nerd through, um, you know, a, a former client and now a friend of mine who just made me so aware of the, the horrors of the, the sourcing in fashion. And I started right. questioning um, flowers and started asking my parents, you know, where, where do you get your flowers from? And, and, you know, with pride, they answered, you know, oh, this comes from Colombia or this comes from Thailand. And because in their generation too, to say that something was imported from another country actually gave an element of prestige to it. It made it high end. Right. Um, and, and with them too, you know, so, so I immediately be, felt like there was a challenge there too, of a creative challenge. And maybe that's me just kind of being the renegade kid um, in the mix. But um, my background is in mission driven marketing. So I needed something more than just the flowers to kind of bring it on home for me. Yeah. Yeah. But it's wonderful that you um, started and kind of grew this organically and, you know, in that now you've you've survived many seasons. You've done this sort of as a side hustle until recently. And uh, now you have some you're able to do maybe some more ambitious um, endeavors because you maybe have a little more time on your plate with um, going all in. Right. Absolutely. You know, um, through the years along the way, uh, there have been opportunities for me to just do this full force, but there was always something else that would kind of sneak in where I could have a security blanket. But now we're we're fully in this. It's scary. It's definitely scary. Um, but it also is really exciting, too. I never would have been able to do something like this if I still had my day job. It's yeah. just impossible. Yeah. Can you just talk about the facets that you're going to emphasize for 2022? Because I'm on your newsletter list, so I, I get your mailings and I see that you're obviously the truck is still a huge part of the business, but it's not the only part of the business. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, we are definitely multifaceted and that is intentional. Just, I guess, again, collateral damage of seeing the tumultuous nature of retail flowers. Um, I probably said this to you, Deborah, that I would never do a wedding, but we are fully doing weddings now. <laughs> Your parents must be cracking up at that one. <laughs> My mom is always like, oh no, oh no, how did this happen? I don't know. But, but just... you're, doing, you're doing weddings on your own terms, kind of with your it, own brand lens, right? A hundred percent. So we've been very fortunate that all of our wedding inquiries have been a hundred percent inbound. It's been reactive and then word of mouth from there. Um, I'm trying really hard not to become dependent on it because we all know the instability associated with it. So yeah, so we've got um, our truck, which we do for photo shoots, but then we also use to set up flower bars for workshops and DIY stem bars. We do tons of workshops every single month, um, you know, going with the seasons. We like to really connect people and give hands-on experiences. And, you know, we partner with a lot of vineyards, so glass and wine, flowers in hand. That's how I got started. Um, we do our wedding and, of course, special event design. And then we have our, our one-off deliveries, and then we have our subscription, which we call our flowers in a bag subscription, where people can get flowers weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. And that's that's really the backbone of our business more than anything yeah. else is we bring yeah. the flowers to you. And that, what is your delivery radius? Um, uh, you know, from where you, you're in a town called, is it Huntington? 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. So which is about the middle of the island. So we okay. go end to end on the island. And then every other week we do Brooklyn and Queens. This is our first foray into Manhattan um, with the Empire State Building. So we'll see. Not that I'm intimidated by Manhattan. I, I love the city very much. But logistically and financially, it's significant. So if there's enough demand, we'll, we'll cross in. But right now, we'll still see. Right. It sounds like you would do it like the, the Queens uh, in Brooklyn model where there was a designated delivery day or something like that. And that's actually our model overall. We always schedule our deliveries by location and we group everything together. That's how we can serve the whole island. Otherwise, you know, if we were just on demand, same day, same day could be in our town or, you know, sure. right in our tight radius. But we just say, hey, you know, our next delivery day is going to be on this day. And we try to post our schedule in advance. And it actually all is around our subscription delivery schedule. I love it. And to me, that says that people are willing to wait because they're buying, they're buying your aesthetic. They, it's not an, you know, it's not something that they, um, they're choosing your aesthetic over maybe the day they want or, you know, kind of that Amazon mindset. Yeah, uh, hopefully, you know, that's what it means. Absolutely. People definitely do go crazy for the flowers in a bag. Look, it, it's still, um, it still makes me laugh a little bit. You know, uh, I get asked all the time, do the flowers grow in the bag? How do you keep them hydrated? And I just you, laugh yeah. because they're just packaging. <laughs> Can you just describe that? So the it's a, it's just a gr brown craft paper bag that you kind of bunch around the flowers. But I know that there was a method to the madness when you came up with that. There is a method to the madness. I try not to reveal my exact recipe, but if you're in the game, you get 100% figured out. There's nothing genius here. But we, um, we try to avoid plastic as often mm -hmm. as possible, single-use mm -hmm. plastic. So again, having grown up seeing cellophane around flowers and um, we wanted something ownable, knew that we needed something in water. So yeah, so our it's just a rolled down brown paper bag with our signature packaging and it conceals our, our vase in there. I see. So you can pop, you pop a jar or a vase inside of that, but the brown paper, it kind of gets back to the just the no plastics branding. I love that. Yes. And on the label, we have um, like flower care tips that are written on there and it sort of reinforces our mission as well. And hey, what an affordable product, right? You're not having to go have something <laughs> custom printed. That's true. It's true. It's just, you know, custom stickers stuck on there. Everything about us is a bit kind of scrappy. We try to set, reuse salvaged wood and all these different things. I mean, if you if you looked at our display, it's definitely not polished. We've got antique crates and um, vintage garbage cans that we're using for props That's mixed wonderful. with some gold wedding stands. Yeah, it's just the juxtaposition of everything for us. We're happy to, to be at the top of the Empire State Building with you. I know you've got a lot of other things happening today. You have a press event. So who yes. who are who's coming? Like bloggers and Instagrammers or influencers or so what do you this anticipate? afternoon. This afternoon, yeah, we've got a group of about I think it's fifteen more um, social media type of uh, influencers, and then this evening we're going to be having more traditional journalists joining us. Wow. And so yeah. you're kind of making a little workshop uh, set up for both groups then to help them exactly. engage with flowers. Exactly. If um, if any florist has the opportunity to do anything at the Empire State Building, make sure to do everything on one floor and allow 10 hours for load-in because there is <laughs> 
so many different elevators you have to take. They are all on different parts of the building. I am oh, exhausted. Jocelyn. No, no, no. We're, I'm excited. You know, I think that it's, it's like, um, it's making me think back to my very first Empire State Building visit as a kid. And I was in elementary school and I just remember it was, uh, it was like going into, you know, uh, I don't know, the, the Emerald City or something like it was so unreal and so, so exciting. And yes, the journey, the ascent is part of it for the guest and visitor, probably not for the vendor who has to load in on the, <laughs> on the yeah. slow loading elevate freight oh, elevators yeah. or whatever. Oh yeah. Wow. Well, get get through it, Jacqueline. And thank you for partnering with Slow Flowers. You gave us an opportunity to help you uh, with some collateral material. And I'm really excited to just raise awareness. Um, it'll be really fun to see what kind of press you get and also what that bump is of um, just consumer awareness. Uh, I'm really hoping that it has a little ripple effect for you throughout the whole season. Thank you so much, Deborah. Thank you so much for always supporting me personally, our business, and then of course this initiative too. I'll just take down my mask for a second just to give away. Thanks. Thank Thanks you so much. Perfect. Have a great Valentine's weekend, and uh, Thank we wish you, you a lot of luck. Thanks for representing. Thank you so much. Always. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today as we got into the local is beautiful spirit for Valentine's Day with Jacqueline. I'll share the floral facts and talking points that she developed for the media, lifestyle influencers, visitors to the Empire State Building, and her flower customers. Slow Flowers provided support for the collateral material that Hometown Flower Company shared, and we're excited to help them get the word out and share it with you. More sponsored thanks today goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Well, this Friday is our February Slow Flowers member meetup, and you'll want to sign up to join us at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on February 18th. The link to pre-register can be found in today's show notes and in our Instagram link tree profile at Slow Flowers Society. I'm so excited about this month's topic. Our focus is on winter flower crops and designing from the garden in winter. This session is inspired by the fantastic conference I attended and spoke at, the Southern Flower Symposium in Charleston, South Carolina, which took place in 2018. It was produced by one of our guests, Jim Martin of Compost in My Shoe. He produced that with fellow members of the Low Country Flower Growers. And one of the other speakers is our other presenter, Rita Anders of Cuts of Color, based in Weimar, Texas. Rita had spoken on optimizing cut flower production in the southern climate, and it was an incredible session that enhanced people's understanding of how they could extend the seasons and grow during the winter months. So we're going to hear a little bit about that from Rita, and we've invited her to give us a peek into her winter growing practices. 
We've asked Jim to share a floral design demo and talk about winter growing in Charleston. His winter floral designs from South Carolina have been blowing my mind on social media, especially because so much of what Jim designs with is cut from his own garden. You'll love this session, and we'll see you there. Our final sponsor thanks goes to Longfield Gardens, which provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Check out the full catalog at Longfield Gardens. That's longfield-gardens.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than 815,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show and our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowerssociety.com and consider making a donation to sustain Slow Flowers ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at slowflowerspodcast.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Show and the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. You can learn more about Andrew's work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.